favorite neighbors. This is Sis. This is Squirt. We watched the Hallmark movie, which is, it seems like it's the first of the season. It, se- it, it seems, seems like, like they're it, starting yeah. like they're, one a month or yeah. so. The Hallmark movie, The Makeover. Yeah. Which it was before the commercial break, the, before the first commercial break, yeah. we realized it was a My Fair Lady. But it was so. long enough and we were too slow on the update. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, all they gave us in the beginning was Higgins. True. Which we didn't really pull until we got to Elliot yeah, Doolittle. Do yeah. And then there was Pickering. Yeah. But it was essentially a retelling of Pygmalion, which then became My Fair Lady stage play, which then became My Fair Lady musical. But it was a retelling. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I thought it was good. And I also thought it was a good reintro for Julia Stiles to mm-hmm. like mainstream. Yeah. For people who hadn't seen Dexter, because she was on that one season of Dexter. She's sort of been a little bit out of the limelight Mm -hmm. since the late 90s, early 2000s. Early 2000s, like 2002, 2003. Yeah, and I mean, that's great. But, you know, she's been out of limelight in both ways. She's Mm -hmm. been out of, you know, the movies and the television, but she's also been out of the public life. She's not been causing any scandals Mm -hmm. or, like, dating anyone that people find unacceptable. She's just been living her life and doing her thing. And I know she's directed a few... Mm-hmm. things or written a few things but yeah they... she did there there was this lifetime series blue or something like that where she played a character lots of like vignette stories of women and i think she directed some of those but i thought this was a good sort of hey there's this really good actress that you know you 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 people used to really like and she's going to be play she's going to be playing a really distasteful person but in the way that only good actresses can mm-hmm. which is you like them. Yeah. You learn to like them. Yeah. And I, I I, really like that movie. I really, I thought it was very, very cute. The guy in that is Mahandra Delfino's husband, who to me, that is his only role. I actually <laughs> cannot remember his name. You know, he's popping up more and more and more. And I actually really do like him. He has a weird look to him. But I think it's something that he can work. Mm-hmm. And he does work. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a sort of scruffy made good. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think it's part of it is that he's... Not traditionally handsome. Right. I mean, he's good looking. Yes. Believe me, he's not a bad looking guy. He's not traditionally handsome, but he's the type of handsome that can do comedy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he can be a funny leading guy that the girls are okay falling in love with. Like, he's not the suave leading guy in the, sh- in the shows and stuff. Right. So he's like got a, I don't know, a comically handsome face. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really good that way sounds, to describe it. Sounds terrible. Yeah. But, but he, and he was also in that, um, NBC comedy. Was it Bent? What was it? Yeah, Bent, which Bent. is free, and he's uh, Jess's boyfriend on New Girl. He's oh, that's doctor. right. He's current. Yes, he's yeah. currently Jess's boyfriend. So yeah, he he kind of can play both sides of that coin, which is rare. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it's you're stronger on one side, and mm-hmm. they will cast you on one side. But he can be the main leading guy who's mm-hmm. just handsome, mm-hmm. or he can be the goofy best friend. Yeah, who is also handsome. Yeah, he's actually yeah, and it. I also think just in general, from at least what Mahandra tweets, he's actually a pretty decent guy and mm-hmm. overall good guy. Yeah. We, like, right before we decided to record, we decided to take a minute to watch part of an episode of King of the Nerds, because on this episode of King of the Nerds, a couple of people that were fans of Kevin <laughs> Smith and Jay Muse were, were judging it. So King of the Nerds is a reality TV show that's on TNT that was developed, and I remember hearing hype about this show for... A while, for at least six months, maybe a year or so before it came out. Because I remember they were talking about how they really, really, because it was like, you know, nerd was big. Chuck was still big. All the comic book movies were out. Comic-Con was like... Chuck was as big as it was ever going to be. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Well, to a lot of people, it's not considered big. Well, it was, though. Mm-hmm. And, like, Comic-Con was, like, exploding. There was the movie Paul out where they're 
mission was to get to Comic Con. So this was like a few years ago. Yeah, like okay. like with the impetus, the okay. impetus of starting this. Right. And so I remember them people say people saying there was going to be a discussion. They were going to create a reality TV a reality TV show to find the biggest nerd. Okay. You know, like and and from what I could remember reading of little snippets and stuff like that, that it was going to be legit. Like they were like, we're not gonna. It's not going to be like some. People who think they're nerds or whatnot, we want, like, real nerds. It's going to be really techie, really technical, and really, like, we are going to find like, the computers and stuff like that to find the biggest nerd. And, and comprehensive. And comprehensive, yeah. yeah. And it's not it's not going to be one of these kind of... We're not just going to find the most socially awkward person we can find. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, like, you know, have, um, I don't know, have people try to, like, solve a Rubik's Cube and that be the main competition right. or something right. like that. So I was like, oh, interesting. I think that would be kind of cool to see, like, what they come up with to compete with. Because personally, I feel my definition of nerd, you really don't have a level of competition. Like, it, <laughs> it's really hard to determine points. Mm-hmm. Like, besides, unless you're playing a game, a video game, yeah. like, it's hard to, like, kind of determine points on your nerdiness, like, to rank something more than the other. So they... <laughs> Whether or not your otaku is strong. Yes. <laughs> it's hard because... And maybe it's just my own personal definition. Or maybe what is like, your definition of nerd? Well, I don't really have like one. <laughs> but no, it's more like focused on something like nerdy. I, I am kind of a little nerdy about certain things, but I also think your passion for it is like eighty percent, and twenty percent is like the actual technical knowledge is what makes you a nerd. Okay. Like I feel like you can be technically a really, really good at let's just say gaming. Let's just say technically. Someone can put you down in front of a video game, and within 10 minutes, you will have beaten it. Mm -hmm. Period. But if you have no passion for it, Mm -hmm. I don't consider you a nerd. Okay. I consider you just technically really good at it. Right. Like, and so I think... I guess that's kind of my line, and that's so I a, think that's a good that's a good definition. Yeah, I think that's a great. Definition. And so I think their passions about lots of other things, but I feel like it's like if you are like eighty percent passion about something, but there is a technical underpinning, like a study. Yeah, to it, yeah, where that you yeah. have to have. There's work. Yeah, there's yeah. work you have to put in yeah. to do. Yeah, but so there's like twenty percent work and like eighty percent passion, right. and that's what makes you nerd. Like you could really, you know, like to read or can get through comic books just fine but if you're not passionate about the characters and the books and then you're not a nerd you're just someone who can read a comic book right, <laughs> right. or the process or the storyline yeah. or the authors or the or the pencilers or yeah. yeah nerds know that because that's the technical aspect yeah yeah so anyway so that's my kind of personal definition which i feel is kind of hard to measure right like as far as if you're going and if you're going to compete with someone you can be passionate about comic books, someone can be passionate about gaming, someone else can be passionate about math. Mm-hmm. Putting those on a scale to say which one is nerdier mm-hmm. is weird for me. So anyway, um, I decided to watch this series. I figured I'd watch the first episode. I'm not a fan, as I've said many times, of reality shows. Mm-hmm. I think they're terrible. I think that they bring out the worst in society. They reward bad behavior. They uh, they put all the stuff on there. The people who do the best on television shows are people who do the worst acts. Mm-hmm. And so I really am not a fan of reality TV shows, but I hoped mm-hmm. that King of the Nerds would be different because these people actually have to have some talent and skill. It's not like... Survivor, where the pretext is taking an average Joe Mm -hmm. and putting them on an island. The pretext of pretty much of all reality shows is some average person Mm -hmm. giving them something to do um, on their their show. And I was like, well, King of the Nerds, they actually have to have skill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I watched the first episode, and it's not bad, Uh, but it goes to that 
level they do they do kind of start the competition and i you know i can't even remember what they introduce all the different nerds and all of them have very different skills mm-hmm. one's an astronaut one's like a physicist another okay. one is a gamer another one's a comic book fan like it's runs the gamut of of what they are someone has a video game fantasy blog website oh, okay. like so they they pick their teams they do their competition and like the first one was playing chess Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. You know, but like, not everybody likes to play chess. As we found out, <laughs> the nerds knew how to play chess. <laughs> like, all of them were like, I haven't played chess since sixth grade. Right. Like, it's like, we did, but right. chess is not our thing anymore. Right. But, um, as I continue to watch the show, the thing that I realized is that unfortunately, I would expect my nerds to be nice, and they're not. And it makes me mad a little bit. Like, just because I'm kind of like, seriously, folks, like, I don't want this cattiness from this show. Mm -hmm. The show where you all were caddied and bullied, like, having it appear. And it doesn't necessarily come out so much in the competition. Like, when they're competing as as teammates and members, they're generally supportive of their teammate or member or whatnot. But when they get to the confessionals, some of the stuff they say, and I know it's edited and cut, and they do all that type of fancy stuff to make it sound worse than it is. But some of the stuff they say, I'm kind of like, that's not necessary. Like, there was a certain point where um, another person on the opposing team was going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. And so the one team member was like, I'm so glad that person's still on their team. She's going to cause tons of problems. Fantastic. I was like, why are you rooting against them? They already have to deal with them on their team. Can't just the person with the best skills win? You know, it's really interesting that you brought that up because I was just listening to, this is going to be old as of the time that this finally comes up, but the um, a Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast where Linda Holmes was talking about Big Bang Theory. And she was talking about why she loves Big Bang Theory. One of the reasons she loves Big mm-hmm. Bang Theory is not the humor or the, necessar- or the writing necessarily or the acting, but that it sets up a universe wherein in this universe of nerds, there are still bullies. Mm. Or there are still superstars. Mm-hmm. Or even though they're all nerds, mm-hmm. but there are still nerds who bully other nerds, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and she was like, that is a truth. And it's not something you usually see. Like, you usually see the nerd rolled in with the sympathetic t- character. Mm-hmm. Like, the nerd is not mean. They are usually awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, or they are sympathetic. Or they are, like, the asexual best friend. Mm-hmm. But you don't see a nerd bullying another nerd. But it it, it does it happen. happen. I'm sure it does happen. It, I mean, and it, you, we can see it in reality TV. Mm-hmm. You can see it on on uh, Big Bang Theory in a very fictionalized sense mm-hmm. of there is still social dynamics even within a community. Yeah, each of them were very vocal about their strengths and weaknesses for the different people on their teams. It was like, so-and-so is a physicist and math is not my strong suit. Like, right. So they were very open about about that, but then like they were willing to like know that so-and-so doesn't know anything about comic books to, like, tease him about that. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that that's wrong, particularly on TV. Yes. Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to see that. I want the biggest nerd to win because they have the biggest, like, nerd head. Like, they they are... And then you and that might. Yeah. We're still not nearly at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But can I segue mm-hmm. from that? Okay. So speaking of things that are 20% technical and 80% passion, mm-hmm. this is not actually something we revealed yet on this podcast, but the thing that probably propelled me into nerdism was Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. Yes. I started watching yes. Carrie Russell 
1991 when she was on the all new Mickey Mouse Club. Uh-huh. And I have been a fan ever since. And a card carrying member of the Mickey Mouse Club. And a card carrying member of the Mickey Mouse Club, a card carrying fan of Felicity, a card carrying owner of all the episodes of Malibu Shores and Daddy's Girls and every <laughs> Lifetime movie she's ever done and everything. So that's all the passion. And of course, I followed her career like scrupulously. I know her kids' names. I know her middle name. I knew, I used to at one time. I actually, no, I still do know the names of her brothers and her sisters. I know where she went to school. I know so much about her. But what I also learned being a fan of Carrie Russell was I learned about how movies and TV are made. I learned about things like production schedules. I learned about things like shooting schedules. I learned about filming. I learned about ratings. I learned about fan bases. Oh my God, did Mm -hmm. I learn about fan bases, which led me to know that there is so much more that happens, first of all, behind the scenes, but also in fan communities around characters than what you would usually see on um, TV. (laughs) And so I think that I have sufficiently earned my nerdism about Carrie Russell and just also, but it led me to being sort of a nerd about TV where I will pay attention to shows because of what I think is going on behind the scenes versus what is actually occurring or not just what is occurring on the set. Like I like, I mean, I like two years ago, I was so stoked to get a subscription to Entertainment Weekly because then I was like, I will have the backdoor Bible of what's going on and all the scuttlebutt. And that's just, I just, you learn so much by being a fan and a nerd of anything, really, Mm -hmm. but just sort of taking it to that next level. Mm -hmm. So my newest... You have forced this to because I just have to say, this would not have been a show that was on my radar. Oh. Seriously, the, the plot... Context, we were talking about the show The Americans. The plot, the description that they gave of that, I would have been like, eh. That's, uh, well, maybe. Maybe. I would, I seriously would not have turned it on if Kara Russell had been in it. But, but she is. Mm -hmm. And it's good. (laughs) And it's good. Yeah. But we first saw it in, um, well, you first saw it, and I had actually known about it a while ago, because the thing about a passion, like the one that I have for Carrie Russell, mm-hmm. is it never really dies. Mm-hmm. You know, she was stepped out of the public eye for a minute, and so, but I always knew where she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had known that a, that a TV show was being developed, and she had signed on mm-hmm. for it. But you saw a promo in, an, uh, like, an early um, Entertainment Weekly, and, you're, mm-hmm. and of course, what happens, of course, with me, with you have a passion like this, is people see information about something that you are passionate about, and make sure that you have seen it. Yes. <laughs> I get so many phone calls and emails of, did you know that so-and-so was going to be on the Yeah, show? and for the Carrie Russell, it was like, did you know the Americans? Carrie Russell's in the Americans. <laughs> like, so many They were posts. like, sis, you have to watch this new show. Carrie Russell's in, in it. it. Yeah. That was, like, not even an option. Mm-hmm. So you had seen the, the tag, and you were like, Carrie Russell's in the new show. You did what everybody does. Mm-hmm. And then was it, it was... Was it after we had watched Lord of the Rings, we had finally finished Lord of the Rings and we turned off the TV or turned the TV on back onto like normal television mm-hmm. and they showed a preview. Okay. And I could not stop smiling mm-hmm. like all day. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to go see this show. But getting back to what Court says, it is good. Mm-hmm. It is very good. I mean, it's only two episodes in right now. Mm-hmm. The first episode was an hour and a half, which is a little much It was an hour and a half. It was like an hour and 39 minutes. Like, it was this weird time. <laughs> it was really odd. It, it was really odd. But the, and then that, that's a lot to ask mm-hmm. of, I think, a viewing audience. 
I remember after watching it, I didn't feel like it was an mm-hmm. hour and a half. Neither it didn't did feel mm-hmm. long. Mm-mm. It felt like it moved very well, and it told a complete, quote-unquote, complete story mm-hmm. in as much time as they had to tell it, but also left you curious for more. Yes. Like, the first show sets up all the other shows, and it also sort of... And they don't... They don't beat around the bush on this. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, Rice, I don't know how to okay. pronounce the last name, mm-hmm. play um, Russian KGB spies who are in America as, like, sleeper agents. Mm-hmm. They've been in America for at least 14 years. They have two kids. They live in an Arlington, Virginia suburb. And in the first episode, things escalate to the point where they are the, they are called into the play of the Russian Cold War, U.S. Cold War, more than they had been before. Like, at the moment that the um, first episode stops, they are much more important characters than they have ever been in the Cold War. And then the the first uh, episode, the first actual episode started last week, and the, you can see them taking on missions that are above sort of what they had been doing before and sort of their discomfort with that, but also they're fighting the comfort of having been in the country for over 14 years, the possible discomfort with the mission. And I have to say, like, being a child of the 80s, being around towards the end of the Cold War, and Russia was always a scary place. Like, it just was, <laughs> well, in all fairness, when I was in school, we still had the USSR. Yes. Like, that was still a legitimate place on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, with the propaganda that was fed to us about, you know, Russia be scary, and me being a patriotic American citizen. Mm-hmm. I'm not an anti-hero fan. Mm-hmm. I, I like villains. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and there are certain villains that have, that I have fallen in love with because of their villainy. Right. And they are straight on villains. Like, there'll be a hero and there'll be a villain. It's like, oh, he's just the most perfect villain. Mm-hmm. So I like him because he's a good villain. Mm-hmm. But so this whole anti-hero, like, these guys are, they're Carrie Russell and Matthew Reed. Matthew Reed are the enemy. Yeah. And and so I, I wouldn't have watched the show because I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I can watch a show where I'm supposed to be on the side of the, of the enemy, quote unquote, the enemy. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not... It's not where I start to watch things. Like, I, I wouldn't have minded. It's almost like if the show was about an American FBI, U.S. agent trying to catch sleeper agents in the United States. And we meet Carrie Russell and Reese and they become kind of sympathetic villains. Mm-hmm. Then I probably would have loved, like, that would have been the show that I would have watched. Right. And, and gotten on. But, but this, I didn't know, but they did a very good job because I'm on their side. Yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, you know, me as, yeah. as the type of person, like, there's a reason, I don't know if there's a totally reason why, but like, part of the reason why I haven't watched Breaking Bad or Sons of Anarchy is because they're the bad guys, technically. Yeah. And just in general, for me, for TV shows, I very rarely can watch a TV show from the point of view and be on the side of the villain. Yeah. I I have two concerns about this. One is the anti-hero thing, which I think is a trickle down from like Breaking Bad, but also a trickle down from like Homeland, mm-hmm. where when Homeland started, that was a pure premium cable show. Mm-hmm. But when Homeland started, you weren't certain who actually was the good guy, you mm-hmm. know, like whether or not who's telling the truth. It might be her. It might be him. He might have turned whatever. And I think there's a lot of 
suspense that comes with that. And right now, audiences really seem to like that. Yeah, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's not really your cup of no. tea. But you can watch The Americans and you will watch yeah, The Americans. Yeah, well, because cause the thing is that they didn't, when they told the story, they didn't focus on that. No. Like, in all fairness, The Americans is about an American family in the 80s yeah. whose parents have these very kind of stressful jobs and are trying to raise their kids in Northern Virginia, America. See, that's where, that's where I want to go with that, is that I want them to stick with the what I consider the heart, the family mm. element, the interaction between the husband and the wife, because yeah. it's not a love match, but no. they have been together for so long yeah. that there is a, a, clearly some feelings and mm-hmm. intimacy. But yeah. I want them to, I want, I want to see that play out, and yeah. I, I'm not saying I need it to have a happy ending. I just want to see more. Yeah of that coming to the surface. They're raising two kids. Mm-hmm. I want to see some of those stresses and heartache. The way that they did this TV show is that, like, I'm on team family. Yeah. Like, I'm not on team Russia. <laughs> I'm not on team KGB. Yeah. Like, in all fairness, yeah. like, and so I can get with team family. I can't get with team KGB. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is my child of the 80s, United States American patriot. Like, I have been, I drank the Kool-Aid. It was fed to me. I can't get on team KGB. Right. But I can get on team family. Family. Yeah. And this Russian family who works for the KGB, whatever. Yeah. I'm on the team, you know. So, and that's what, the, that's where I am at the moment. Yeah. But my other thing about it is, is that it's a very interesting plot. It's a very complex concept. I am concerned about their ability to keep it going. Mm. What I have unfortunately seen too often lately is really interesting concepts go on too long when they really would have been better miniseries. Well, here's what I do have to give it to them. I never, AMC and FX, like I never Mm. jumped on the Mad Men bandwagon for many reasons, and I'm mad that I'm not mad about Mad Men. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so I never jumped on the Mad Men bandwagon, but one of the things I do have to say, I did jump on the Louis C.K. bandwagon, and and Louis C.K. is on FX. FX has done a decent job of, I don't know what producers or writers that they hire, like particularly Louis C.K., he has a whole lot of control over his show, but they've done a decent job of hiring people who are there for that show and that project, like not for the network okay. or not necessarily for rating. Yeah. And they've managed to keep the show in whatever vision they seem to have when they started. Yeah. Same with Archer. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Archer either, but occasionally on the commercials I giggle. And like that show definitely has the potential to like go off well, but I feel like it's managed to stay its course because I think FX possibly gives the people the freedom. I don't know if they're as tied to ratings mm. as... Well, it's the, a cable show. Yeah, so exactly. As the other yeah. networks. So they, they give them a little leeway to say, look, we're going to let you go down this path that may not be the path that will bring in tons of viewers, but it'll be the path to keep the integrity of the show. Right. And whether or not you walk it into a wall is your choice. Yeah. But you get... Okay. So we've talked about the show. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Carrie? Okay. Because much like Julia Stiles and mm-hmm. from The Makeover, I feel this was a good transition out Mm -hmm. from what anybody's expectations of Carrie Russell had been. You know, like whether or not you happen to know her from the Mickey Mouse Club or you happen to remember her from the nine episodes of Malibu Shores (laughs) or the the four seasons of Felicity, you know, like an integral part of my college life. (laughs) It was very important to you. But, you know, this is, this is very different. Mm -hmm. This is very different. And I think because we, well, I saw this in Yvonne Strahovski's switch over from Sarah's Chuck's Sarah mm-hmm. into Dexter's Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, how dare Sarah do blah mm-hmm. when she was acting as Hannah? 
I think, though, no one's going to say, how dare Felicity Mm -hmm. do blah. I think this is a good sort of separation from those two roles, but it also showcases her in a way that she hasn't been showcased. I mean, in the first episode, God, even before the first commercial break, she was sexual. Uh, She cursed. I mean, like, I've never heard her curse. she beat up someone. She beat up someone. Like, she she had a temper. She was Mm -hmm. angry. Like, and, you know, but, like, competent and... Mm -hmm. All of that, and we've never really seen that from her, and I know that that's a hard, let's call it a jump, it's not really a jump, Mm -hmm. that's a hard move to make and keep a fan base, even Mm -hmm. though your fans admit that you've grown. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Carrie is, I know this because I know this, (laughs) Carrie is 36. Mm -hmm. No, she will be turning 36 on March 23rd. (laughs) (laughs) She, But, like, she's 35, 36. You know, like, she's old enough to be able to do this. And I remember Janet Jackson, when she was talking about the switch from the album that had Black Cat on it, uh-huh. uh, which I guess was Rhythm Nation, and mm-hmm. uh, into Janet. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh my god, how dare Janet have mm-hmm. an album, a musical album that's all sex and everything. Mm-hmm. And she was like, how long am I supposed to wait? How mm-hmm. old am I supposed to be? You all are remembering the very young Janet that was on Soul Train, who was Michael's little sister. Mm-hmm. You know, but she's like, I've grown, and you need to accept that I've grown, and my tastes have grown, and my talents have grown. Mm-hmm. I feel that this is a good transition for her to show that she is more than Felicity, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that's immediately where everybody goes. Yeah. And, of course, the, the, the look is different. Yeah. And I think the, the look is so drastic that I bet you people are going to be like, oh, what? That was Felicity? I think people will forget. And that's fine. And I, yeah. if she had to do that, she had to do that. She also stepped back a minute. Yeah. Like she did um, a very short-lived, I can't even remember. Me and remember, I just remember Puddle. Yeah, <laughs> the name of the show, but a very short-lived yeah. show with Will Arnett on Fox. Yeah. And then she's done a few movies. But um, I think she she did the, the what she needed to do to keep her career on track. And <laughs> and to be fair, it's she's one of those people that... Probably without Mickey Mouse Club, she would not have had a career. But given that she was, she had that first step up into the industry, she has really, I feel, worked at it. Mm-hmm. And I get, I always give more credence and more deference to people who seem to really be working at it versus people who are just cute enough mm-hmm. or just leggy enough mm-hmm. to assume that they're going to get a role that they might not actually have the chops to pull off. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of her. I'm excited. I love having her on my TV again. Yeah, well, I think it's 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 a it's a decent show. I hope I think cuz it's on FX they'll be able to tell the story at the pace that they want to tell the story at. I mean, as of now they're building all the different characters. My nervousness about the show is and it's kind of the same nervousness that I had about Heroes and then it did come to fruition is that there're just going to be so many storylines. And that are going to overlap. And I'm just going to get tired of keeping them in check. So they either have to have a really, 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 really good person to do their previously on. (laughs) Or else I'm just going to be like, I don't remember. I don't don't remember who this person is. I don't know why they're upset about it. Like, because really, they're going to have to have a really awesome previously on. Like, at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, they are. It's going to get crazy. I mean, that's... Part of the reason why I stopped watching Heroes, that and everything came back to the Petrellis, which just kind of pissed me off. They need, you're right, they do need a strong through line, because Mm -hmm. even though this is history that a lot of us actually lived through, Mm -hmm. we weren't aware of a lot of it, Mm -hmm. and so they, and I think they're trying to establish that the first guy that got lost, like the first person they kidnapped, Mm -hmm. is the sort of main through line that sort of puts everything into place. But it needs to not be the the domino that knocks everything down. It really needs to be the artery that runs through the whole show. Yeah. Like that's that would I think help keep things in balance. Yeah. But we'll see. 
Let's see where it goes. One of the things that uh, is a series that we started watching in the fall that went away for a winter break and just sort of came back with a few more episodes is, or did was it summer? Did it start in the summer? ABC Family's Bunheads. Mm. And I love this show. That being said, I love it. I'm not always understanding it. <laughs> I I love everything about the show. I love Amy Sherman Palladino. I probably mispronounced her name. I love Sutton Foster. I love Kelly Bishop. I love all of the four young actresses who play dancers. Mm-hmm. I love every part of this. I love the Gilmore Girl actress references that are different characters. I love Stacey Oristano, mm-hmm. who plays Truly. I, I love the writing. I love all of that. I feel that they're fighting to not be Gilmore Girls, which is fine, but in that they're essentially fighting against something, but they're not fighting for something, and so I kind of don't really have a sense, not that I need to, but I actually do need to have a sense of what I'm supposed to get from this show. With Gilmore Girls, it was easy. Mm -hmm. It was a family drama. Mm -hmm. You know, at its heart, after all the fast talking and everything, it was a family drama. It was a story about a mother and a daughter. This is not a story about a mother and a daughter. It's not really a story about a town in the way that Eureka was. And it seems to have a lot more tragic elements that kind of feel come out of nowhere. Like the past episode that we just watched, even though a new one is airing this week, is we meet Michelle's brother and we find out more of like the tragic backstory of like her family and her childhood. I we've been watching the show since it started. I don't remember that being referenced anywhere before. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the way that it was acted seemed to make it seem like this was something that impacted almost every decision that Michelle made. You know, how her family mm-hmm. was and how she wanted to be different. But it wasn't something we had referenced before. And it was a very deep and disturbing and sort of tragic storyline. And I just... And there, there seemed to be a few of those where... They come out of the woodwork with a storyline that is supposed to be deeply moving, deeply character driving, that doesn't really seem to have an origin that as a viewer we would have known prior, but it's supposed to affect this character so deeply that there's no way they can get past it. I think it may be a little bit of the whole fact you don't know what direction it's going. I think it may be a little bit of too many hands in the pot. Maybe. Like... They, I feel like with this, with this show and the way that it was, which I don't, they just, as a side note, I don't understand why ABC families worry about this because they keep some crap shows on. Like, I feel like if this show, the show the way it was, like, a, uh, ABC family was like, we'll let it go. You got enough clout, not enough big names. We don't really want you on our network. Right. <laughs> and then it aired and it did okay. And I think, like, and then it got, you know, the order for whatever the the other episodes are. And I think with those other episodes, they may have brought in different writers, different directors, different somebody to tweak or to, and and people are giving opinions as to, like, without knowing the show. Right. Like, you need it to be more heartfelt. Add more heart. Add a mother story. Boom. You need it to be more funny. Add more this. Add five kids. Boom. Like, those random four kids that come out of nowhere. You know, you need more. And I think... I think it may be falling prey to that. To notes. Yeah, to notes. 
I feel that someone in the writing room and some director seems to understand that we need, for lack of a better word, a project. Uh-huh. You know, like mm-hmm. every season, it doesn't have to be the thing that every episode's about, but you need to have some sort of forward momentum mm-hmm. for a project or a something mm-hmm. or a presentation. It's the, it's a little bit of the television version of the Pamchenko lift. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be something that you as the viewer watch them work on mm-hmm. through the series that they either then achieve or don't achieve at the end of the series. Mm-hmm. This was Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. This is everything, really. Mm-hmm. In Gilmore Girls, this was her at Chilton. At Lorla, uh, you know, Rory at Chilton, yeah. Lorelai getting the Firefly in. Yeah. There was a project that sort of kept things yeah. going. And things fed into that, like the love story between Lorelai and Luke fed mm-hmm. into that, and, you know, the stories about the, the parents, Lorelai and um, Emily getting along mm-hmm. that fed into that but the there was a pro, there was something moving the story along they when the show started out it was they didn't really have a project the mm-hmm. pretext of the show is that this vegas showgirl michelle has an admirer who has come and seen her show probably 45 times mm-hmm. he then asks her to marry him she says no but they go out to drinks and then all of a sudden she wakes up in a car not as an abduction, as a passenger. And she has a wedding ring on and they are married. He turns out he's actually not like a weird stalkery guy. He's just sort of semi-intense. And he takes her to the town of Paradise, mm-hmm. Paradise, mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. where his mother runs a dance studio. He then, in the weirdest twist I've ever seen in a pilot, dies leaving her there as his wife with the mother who didn't know that he was getting married. So there's a little bit of conflict there. Also, there's the dance studio and the young kids. That in and of itself would have been enough. Just sort of like two oddballs Mm -hmm. being forced to work together and make a dance studio go. That would have been fine. And those scenes that where that does happen, they're very fun. Mm -hmm. The kids are very fun. If we just focus on, and they're not kids, young women. The young women are very fun. And then when it went came back from its winter break with its more episodes it seemed to be going towards the let's build a a theater sort Mm -hmm. of thing but they keep sort of picking that up and dropping it and picking it up and dropping it and it doesn't make any sense and then there's apparently these two new kids that are supposed to be flies in the ointment for Mm -hmm. the young women but they're sort of not really used. That's why I say I feel like it's subject to note. Yeah, I I do feel like the thing that was lacking or that I was waiting for in the end of the first season which I thought possibly they were going to get there with with the two of them running the dance studio is like a direction or a purpose for Michelle because she really didn't have one like no. when she got and she admitted it when she got there like yeah. I don't know what I'm doing and I thought I thought within the first two episodes she was going to start being a dance instructor but that didn't happen until like the end almost of the season that she was like you teach a class etc and so I thought okay so that's what it's you know what it's gonna be it's gonna be these weird characters in this town these students in this class they have this weird love interest for this guy that was on this hill that kind of would have went away yeah no it's like she's it's that's what's gonna happen and then it's just sort of notes I say it's notes (laughs) I say it's parade notes what I do like about it um, is something that somebody else has mentioned too, which is I love the dance. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that dance is on television in this very yes. pure, very true way. Yep. These are long shots of dancers dancing. Sing only. Yes. For dancing. Yes. yes. And it's not cutaways. It's not showy. Mm-hmm. It's not like glee mm-hmm. where half of its face, half of its feet. Yeah. This is just dancing. And there's so much 
beauty and talent in what they are putting together mm -hmm. in that aspect that just for that alone mm -hmm. I would leave it on this on show yeah. even if I don't really understand where they're going with the yeah. plot or even some episodes but I swear there has been one episode I think it was actually last week's episode mm -hmm. where I was like I don't understand what happened yeah. I don't understand what just happened mm -hmm. and it's not as though I'm hard to please mm -hmm. or that I can't take a complex storyline. Yeah. It really felt like it was a series of vignettes that they tried to shoehorn together <laughs> that just, just, I didn't, I didn't get where it was going and it didn't feel like a transition episode. It didn't feel like, it just felt weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that it gets, I, even with all of that, just because I, I just love seeing the dancing on TV and I love seeing Sutton Foster on TV. I just hope it gets renewed for another season on ABC Family. If you want to continue any of the conversations that we've started here, you can follow us at My Fave Neighbors on Twitter or through our blog, which is myfavoritenneighbors.blogspot.com. This is Sis. And this is Squirt. Thanks for stopping by. You'll, You'll notice when, when you, you see, see us. us.